tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Recorded live. Hi, this is Joanne Snap, Director of Health Professions Advising at UC Davis. And this session is titled Strategies for Success. When you're considering a health profession school, there are several strategies that you'll want to take in order to be successful. It used to be thought that you could simply have a high GPA and a strong score on your standardized exam, and that should basically pave the way for successful entry to health professions. Unfortunately, that's not the case anymore. With the introduction of holistic review to advise uh, admissions, um, many other things are taken into consideration now, and that includes a person's experiences, what have they done with their time outside of class, and also now the attributes that make up a good health professional. And so most health profession schools are looking at more than just grades, uh, test scores, letters of recommendation, and the essay. And what that does now is create a lot of pressure and stress for students who are torn between whether they need to have many more meaningful experiences um, or a higher GPA. Sometimes they believe experiences can outweigh GPA, which doesn't always um, work for applicants. What, what is really required is all three pieces. So it's not that having a value on experiences or attributes lessens the need for a strong GPA and test score, it's only in addition to. And that's simply because it's very, very competitive. So while it is true that sometimes an applicant can go through the process with um, a weaker GPA or a weaker um, test score and be successful, it's, it's not that every applicant has um, must have a high test score and a high GPA. If you're going to go into this process, though, you should go in competitive, confident that you're presenting the very best that you um, could have possibly presented. And so that includes having a competitive, a strong enough GPA to be in a pool where you're going to be considered amongst um, a large applicant pool. So strategies for success include approaching this process with um, a strong academic background, which starts from the very beginning. Many applicants believe or are told that um, you can always repair your GPA later, so don't worry about it. And the truth is it's very it's very challenging to repair a GPA. It takes many years and it takes a lot of money to repair a GPA. A, a better strategy would be um, to get the message out to first-year college students to make the best decisions while you're in college, while you're spending the money the first time, to prevent the GPA from dropping below a 3.0 so that you don't have to do a post-bac or a master's degree to repair the GPA. Um, and sometimes that means making some serious sacrifices. That means not being able to join every club or go and do every type of clinical experience you can possibly do. Um, while you do need to do some of those things, if you're the type of learner that needs to devote at least 30 hours a week, which is what I would argue most pre-health students need to be doing, you should be spending 30 hours a week minimum studying for your courses. 
And if you're not doing that because you're being torn in so many different directions, then you are essentially sacrificing your GPA for the other items. And you're not helping yourself. You're not helping yourself become competitive in this process if you're sacrificing your GPA to have great, meaningful experiences. So if it means, if, it, if you have to choose between having experiences and having a strong GPA, initially you need to choose the GPA. You can always gain experiences. The experiences are not going away. You could always take a year or two off after you graduate and do some experience, make money while you're doing the experience. But if you're trying to repair a GPA after you graduate, you're going to be spending a lot of money to do that. Some post-bac programs cost as much as $30,000. Master's degrees in medical sciences can cost as much as $50,000. That's a lot of money, a lot of debt to be building right before going to medical school. You could save all that money by just focusing on your GPA while you're an undergrad and then worrying about getting experiences later if that's what you need to do. So that's one strategy, is to put the grades before everything else while you're in school. Medical schools value the other things, they value the experiences, but they first and foremost want to know that you can handle the curriculum. And the only way that you can demonstrate that you can handle the curriculum is by having good grades. There is no other way. You cannot prove to the med school that you can handle curriculum by having C's on your transcript and having wonderful experiences. That that doesn't demonstrate your ability to study, your ability to manage time, um, your ability to problem solve and take tests well, which are things that they want to see. So first strategy is put grades before everything. The second strategy is to reapproach the way that you think about studying for the standardized exam. So I get asked very often, for example, the MCAT for medical school. How, when should I start studying for the MCAT? You, when you are taking your introductory level courses, you are studying for the MCAT. That content on the MCAT covers the introductory level courses. So I oftentimes see students cramming through the first two years, barely getting by, doing the least amount possible just to pass the classes, and then they think they're going to learn the MCAT material later. That to me is the most ludicrous way to go about your educational process. You're paying so much money right now to be in, in college to learn the information that's going to be tested on later. Take the opportunity while you have it and learn the content while you're in the class. If you think about the way you're taking biochem, ochem, physics, uh, and biochem, if you look at those classes as a mechanism to learn the content now so that you can do better on the MCAT later, you will see the value in, in the way you're learning everything from the beginning. So, so instead of approaching it as, I just have to get through these hurdles to get, get into med school, that's, that's not the way to be viewing this. This is the content that you need to know in order to do well in the future. So take the time and learn it now so that you can do well in the MCAT, so that you can go to medical school or dental school or whatever it is. But if you're just barely getting by in your science courses, you're not setting yourself up for success later. And then when you go to take the test prep classes, you're going to find that you're stumbling through the content because you didn't learn it well. And instead of learning this test-taking strategies, which will actually help you do better on the test, you're relearning the content, which is not an effective way to go about this. So take the time that while you're taking the classes, really learn it, read the chapters, go to office hours, ask questions, spend as much time you know, involved with that content as you can Make sure you understand it. Make sure you can teach people. 
Um, if you can explain it out loud, that means you really understand it. But if you can't explain the concepts out loud to somebody, you need to make spend more time with that content so that you can understand it. So that's one strategy, tackling the academics. And although most schools are saying they're holistic, I will I will argue forever that metrics will always be first and um, first and foremost the most important piece of that pie, the biggest piece of the pie that they're looking at. So you cannot do too much. You cannot have too high of a GPA. You can't study too hard. That will never be a piece that you can't uh, have too big of a piece of. So that's one piece, your metrics. Your experiences, I always approach experiences with the question, why do you want to go into health professions? And the answer I get nationally at every, in every forum is I want to help people. So when people ask me, what should I do with my time? What should I do this summer? What, what, you know, how do I gain experiences? I fall back on that question. So if you want to help people, what are you doing with your time that shows that you like helping people? What have you ever done in your life that's helped anybody? And if you're trying to think of ways to be impressive to the health profession schools, use that question as a guide to selecting your activities. Whatever it is you want the schools to know about you, you should demonstrate through your experiences. What you do will help define who you are. So choose experiences that align with your personal interests, that align with what you're passionate about, what you care about. Because when they're reading your application, and it'll take about four to five minutes to read your application, they only have a short period of time to form uh, an idea of what you're about. And as much as you can get all of your, um, your entities in your application to align to reveal a common theme or a thread about you, the better. So think about first and foremost how you would like to define yourself, what you want them to know or think about you. Pick things that illustrate that. And it's really that simple. You don't have to do research unless you like research. Then do research. Um, you don't have to. You, everyone has to see a physician or a dentist or a pharmacist or whatever the health is, their health profession is. You have to see that person at some point. But your entire time does not have to be spent with that particular um, field. As long as you're doing um, some type of clinical work or some type of work that aligns the skill set and the, the compassion, all the pieces align with healthcare, um, you can argue that you're able to demonstrate why you want to be a health professional by doing the things that, um, that where the attributes and the skill sets align. And the third piece are attributes. So what makes a good health professional? If you have weaknesses in terms of your communication, your eye contact, your ability to present, teach others, um, your compassion, your ability to lead, these are all your problem solving and your team play, being a team player. These are all attributes that are highly valued. And if you know that you're, you have a weakness in any of those, ask for feedback and try to build those up. Once you get into the interview process, it's everybody is equal, it's fair game, and they're really going to be honing in on the attributes that you bring. And so you want to make sure that you're just a genuinely nice person. I always argue that the strongest attribute you can have is authenticity. To be an authentic, naturally nice person is the most valuable piece in this process. Um, try to you want to stand out from your peers, but not you know not for the wrong reasons. You want to be you just want to be um, who you are, and don't try to change who you are to fit some mold of what you think a pre-med or pre-health student looks like. Um, be yourself, choose the activities that align with your interests, and be passionate about the things that you do. And you will, um, if you're, you're align that with your academic success, you will be successful. All right, thank you.